There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Hawk Week podcast. I'm Hawk Week editor Matt Appleby and today I'm with Joe Richam from Q. And we're talking about Q, Plant Words, a book of 250 curious words for plant lovers. And that's by Joe and Emma Townsend. And Joe's a botanical horticulturalist based at Q, and he works primarily with temperate plants. And he's responsible for Q's living collections of grasses and peonies. Now, the book covers everything from Arborita to the Wood Wide Web. And um, so starting off, Joe, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Excellent. What's the Wood Wide Web? Oh, you've caught me out straight away. Um, <laughs> so obviously this this book was a, a collaboration. So Emma is the expert on the Wood Wide Web. Um, <laughs> she'd be able to tell you more. But basically, it's the kind of um, the network of interactions that go go on between trees. Brilliant. Okay, so how did the book come about? How did you team up with Emma? to do this. So Q actually had the idea for this book kind of uh, fully formed, as it were. They wanted to do um, a book of, of plant words, an introduction to the, the words we use to talk about the plant world. Um, and they just needed someone to write it. So they, they approached me, and this is the first book I've written. Um, so they approached me just before uh, Christmas last year and asked me whether I'd be interested in doing it. Um, the, the, we, there was quite a clear idea of when they wanted to release it. Um, so there was quite a, a short time period of, of how much time we had to write it. And I did, I think one week of the amount of work I, uh, I worked out that I'd have to do to get it done in time and thought, no, absolutely not. I can't do this. Um, so asked whether we might split it. And, um, luckily they were, they were very amenable to that. So, um, we asked Emma whether she'd be willing to, to write it alongside me. Brilliant. Um, and. Emma says, by the end of the book, you'll know significantly more botany than you did at the beginning, unless you're a botany expert, in which case don't read it, you idiot. So um, <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's aimed at, uh, at, at amateurs, but it, you will learn a lot about botany, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that was exactly right. It's, it's not for people um, uh, who already know a lot necessarily, although we hope that there's, there's stuff in there that you might not have come across. Um, we tried to find the, you know, the, the interesting hooks about each term we tried to make sure that it was all really kind of um very accurate information so it's 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 not a reference book but we hope that it's um it's a way to kind of to go somewhere where you can go what what does that mean again 
Ah, yes. Now, botany education is always an issue and it's always something which is, um, you know, there's a shortage. What, what, what was your background? What's your education, Joe? Oh, well, I'm actually a career changer. So I, um, I studied music at university and um, worked as a, a librarian for the London Symphony Orchestra for four years in, my, uh, in the early part of my career. Um, and I, I, I eventually kind of worked out that that, that wasn't the career for me, particularly um, the aspect of working in an office. You know, throughout my childhood, um, I, I've been outside a lot and I just found that I was really missing that. Um, so I retrained, I put myself through the RHS uh, level two diploma. Um, I was working kind of freelance alongside that. So I, I got some experience in wildlife conservation with the London Wildlife Trust, um, then worked at Regent's Park for a short while. Uh, and then I, I, I later did one of the uh, year-long specialist courses at Q. Q offers a, a variety of, of training courses, one of which is uh, the Q Specialist Certificate. Um, and I spent a year in the kitchen garden at Q uh, with Helena Dove, uh, learning about everything kitchen garden. So uh, from propagation to uh, harvest to pruning fruit trees, all sorts. Oh, brilliant. No, well, I, I, I visited Helena a couple of times last year and saw the, the revamped kitchen garden, but you were obviously in it before it got redone. Um, so what was your role there? What did, you, what did you do there? What did you learn there? All sorts, to be honest. Um, Helena's amazing. Um, she really knows her stuff. So she's a, she was a great mentor. Um, so I, I, I spent a year just working with her, really. Um, so we do everything from um propagation through to planting out to harvesting for the kitchens at that time that's that's not something that's happening so much anymore um i had the opportunity to um plan and implement my own project bed so i chose to look at plant proteins um so i grew some uh slightly more obscure crops like chickpeas and soybeans lentils i even tried my hand at growing some peanuts which uh, wasn't immensely successful i have to say but we gave it a go at least and we, we did get a flower so that was quite interesting um it was an interesting year as well because that year that i spent in the kitchen garden was also the year that the um the evolution garden at q was put in so what used to be the order beds where all the plant families are displayed was turned into the evolution garden um so as well as spending time in the kitchen garden i was out helping to redo a whole area of the gardens at q as well Oh, great. Uh, the plant proteins is an area close to my heart as a vegan gardener. So do you think that's an area that is developing of more people doing that? It's interesting because w what I found in trying to grow those plants was that they're uniquely unsuited to the UK climate. Um, <laughs> no, th they are possible to grow. Don't don't get me wrong. And there, there's a couple of companies who are who are doing it who are doing it really well. Um, but they're they're kind of um, they have this unique combination of of attributes, which means that they're difficult, or I found them difficult to do anyway. And they don't like root disturbance, so um, planting them in situ is is the best thing to do um, but they're also not frost hardy so that you you can't plant them out before the frost pass but also they have quite a long growing season to mature properly so it's kind of this 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 combination of things which means that they're uh, they weren't the easiest to grow let's say oh so double treble whammy <laughs> exactly yeah oh dear now um 
You mentioned music. Now, uh, I guess you and Emma have a lot in common because Emma is quite a well-known musician or in a musical family. She is, yes. It, it was it was interesting working with Emma because it was it was very much we were both aware of this musical connection. And actually, um, the uh, the contact that we have at, at Q Publishing is also a musician. So there was this kind of joint. Um, thing bringing us all together but the uh the the deadline on the book was so tight that all of the conversations we had were just just to do with what we were doing and how we were going to possibly get it done on time so you're going to form a band you could have um Emma, emma's dad pete on the guitar and uh <laughs> no, it'd be pretty good i reckon it's a tempting proposition you know i i have heard stories about people uh practicing in the in the basement of the temperate house in uh, in years gone by so perhaps it's something we need to revive oh superb right i'll look forward to that i'll look forward to that the next um one of those q summer events possibly uh possibly just starting up as a warmer act. Anyway, anyway, to move on back to back to gardening. In 2019 you went to New York on um on a sort of scholarship bursary um to do a bit of study there. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um when you when you study at Q on any of the any of the the programs that we have uh, be that the the apprenticeship, the the KSC that I did or the or the 3-year diploma, you have this uh, incredible opportunity uh, that is called the travel scholarship. So it's it's an additional two weeks leave that you can apply for to go and um, study something relevant to your course. Actually, staff can apply for it as well, um, but obviously, it's it's more difficult to tie it into what you're doing as a member of staff. Um, so being in the kitchen garden during that year, um, I wanted to go and experience somewhere where kitchen gardening was uh, being used practically, I suppose. Sometimes in this country, particularly kitchen gardens have become um, kind of display spaces in a lot of places. Um, So I chose somewhere where um, the food that was being grown was was being put to use in situ. Um, I'd, I'd come to know of this amazing place, uh, Blue Hills at Stone Barns, which is a, a restaurant in upstate New York, uh, a very smart restaurant run by a chef called uh, Dan Barber. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a big name. Um, and his, his kind of thing, is, as I understand it, is where he sources his ingredients from. And the kind of ultimate um, demonstration of this is Blue Hills at Stone Barns, where they, they have the restaurant in the middle of the farm. Um, so lots of the vegetables they grow, even some of the meat products, the animal products also come from the farm. Um, so I went and I worked worked there with their with their farming team for a week just to kind of get a sense of what they do, how they do it, how they um, can produce on a reliable basis for for a very very smart restaurant. Um, and then I was because I had two weeks, I then spent the second week uh, looking at urban agriculture in the city of New York. Um, so I visited rooftop gardens. Um, I visited a an aquaculture center um, that was working in the lo- local community. Actually, I meant to visit a, a, a fair few other places, but unfortunately, several of them fell through. So I also ended up just looking at um, botanic gardens and other gardens in the city. So I visited New York Botanic Garden, Brooklyn Botanic Garden, the High Line, um, Governor's Island as well. So I just got a really good sense of horticulture in New York City. 
Wow, it seems like you've fitted a lot in and you've sort of taken and, and been given quite a lot of opportunities early in your career. So how would you recommend other people get into horticulture, be they career, career changes or just sort of uh, young people looking for, a, looking for a, a, a job or a career? I think the main thing that, that I've found certainly in, in my experience is an interest. If you can, if you can prove that you're interested in plants, in gardens, um, it's not just something that you're, you're sort of looking to explore, that, you, that you've really got uh, an interest in, in plants and gardens. I think that's a really key thing. And, and obviously experience as well, getting as much and a varied experience as possible. Um, I think the fact that I was um, simultaneously working for the London Wildlife Trust, just kind of hacking stuff back at sites around North London, you know, going in with pairs of loppers and shears and just hacking back at um, brambles that had overgrown. Simultaneously, I was also volunteering with the Chelsea Physic Garden, doing much more kind of horticultural things. Um, I think that varied experience really helped because the other thing that I found in in the the kind of formative part of my career is that you never know where your specialism is going to come from. I never set out to specialize in grasses or peonies and they've just kind of landed on my lap and actually I found, as with most things, plants, they're just incredibly interesting um, and you can kind of take it and run with it. Now, we're talking of grasses, um, it's been a very dry summer last year. It's been a very wet winter now. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about lawns and, um, you know, are we seeing the end of the lawn as we know it? Are people now having wilder lawns? Um, and can we grow a different type of lawns? You're, you're an expert in grasses. So what, what can we do to turf mixes to, to create a more drought resistant lawn? I think there's there's several different things to think about when we, when we talk about lawns. Um, drought and heat actually because heat comes into it grasses are split into cool season and warm season grasses and it's not just the um it's not just the 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 lack of water that's an issue but it's also the the heat Um, a lot of the the grasses that we have in our turf mixes traditionally are cool season grasses and as the heat starts to go up as the as it starts to get drier they suffer more um so that there's perhaps an argument to um think about putting uh, more warm season grasses so the the grasses that are native to more tropical climes into our turf mixes um, because they uh, they cope better with those dry hot conditions that we've seen recently um, that being said a lot of those grasses can be quite uh, quite invasive so whether that's a good idea or not is 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 a debate to be had but i think then the second the second aspect of turf is um how it looks we we perhaps need to re-examine how our how our lawns look uh, you know something that is um very much talked about i think at the moment is the idea of um, more wild lawns wild wildflower meadows um and actually these are really resilient um whereas a a, a a lawn that's cut really low and and short is is going to look brown and, and quite sad during those hot dry periods a wildflower meadow will still look quite attractive actually and they're much more resilient as as a sort of ecosystems um, as opposed to a, um, a lawn and the other thing to note of course is that 
whenever a, a lawn looks dry and sad, it's not actually dead, or most of it isn't anyway. Um, as soon as the rain comes back, as we've seen this year, um, it greens up, it starts growing again, it just goes dormant while there's that period. So perhaps it's an argument for um, just being okay with things looking brown and, and, and sad while we, uh, while we have those dry, hot periods. But playing devil's advocate, if you're trying to sell your house and you've got a lawn which is, you know, a bit scraggy, long, wild, or else if you've got a lovely, nice, neat, green, manicured lawn, you know, which is going to sell better? Yes, of course. There's there's an aesthetic <laughs> aspect to, to bear in mind. But I think, I, I like to think anyway, that a lot of people understand that they're there is a lot of input that goes into a green lawn. It's it's not such a, a coveted thing anymore. Perhaps I would like to think. No, 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 indeed. Now, just just talking about um, selling your house and million pound houses and all that type of stuff, which is what they cost around Q. I mean, how, you've done a lot of volunteering, and you know, gardening isn't known for its its massive pay packets. So, how how do you how do you cope? How do you make a career in gardening in London financially? I was lucky in that when I was retraining, I could still do my old job on a kind of freelance basis. So I was able to to pick up a fair amount of work um, that kind of got me through as I was retraining. Um, and I had a very understanding um, boss at the London Wildlife Trust. I worked there for three days a week um, while I was doing the RHS diploma. But it's true that it's it's a career that's um, not the most monetarily rewarding. Um, but I think a lot of people who go into it recognize that there are a lot of other rewards quite aside from from the, the monetary, the financial aspect. Now, great. Well, you certainly made it work for you, which is good news. Now, looking ahead, have you got another book in you? What's your, what's your next one and what's your next career steps? I don't know about another book. I'll have to see what uh, what Q Publishing uh, have got in store for me. Um, because they came to me with the idea, you know, I I haven't actually got the experience of um, of coming up with a book idea and following through with it myself. Um, I I have some ideas that I think could possibly um, could possibly make it into a book, but actually my 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 day to day my 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 job as it were is managing the collections that i'm responsible for at q that's kind of my focus and there's a lot of exciting things going on with with both of those areas at the moment the grass garden and the peony garden um so that's kind of my focus certainly for the for the months and and maybe even years ahead so what's new in the grass garden and the peony garden so the peony garden um we're kind of halfway through a, a, a large-scale redevelopment of the whole collection. Um, Q's got a really long association with peonies. Uh, we, we were the place that the first tree peony came from China to the West in the, in the 18th century. Um, and that kind of that association with firsts and, um, and peonies has gone on through the years. Uh, in the kind of 90s, um, there was an area set aside to house our peony collection to display it. But over the intervening years, it's kind of lost its focus a little bit. The peonies have been overtaken by other herbaceous perennials. Um, we've lost some of the collections, unfortunately, to disease, to environmental damage. Um, so we, we needed to have a bit of a look at it. So um, last autumn, so autumn 2021, we started this large scale project. I, I've dug up almost all of the peonies in the garden which numbers i think over 250 so far that i've i've lifted and moved 
um, and we've rearranged them to um, better suit the peonies, but also to be able to better tell the story that we want to tell with them. Um, so there's lots going on in the peony garden and then the grass garden, which I think is a, a real favorite for lots of visitors at Kew, particularly this time of year. Um, we're kind of just trying to get that back into a really good shape. There's um, a problem with grasses, I think, is that they they seed very readily and they also run very readily. So trying to keep all the grasses into the clump where they should be and keep them separate is a real challenge. And um, we're just trying to trying to remedy some that have escaped somewhat. No, oh, well, good stuff. Now, uh, peonies, peonies and grasses, uh, do you have a favourite uh, uh, variety of either of them and um, a favourite supplier even? Well, my, my focus um, is on trying to increase the amount of plants that we have from natural sources. Um, so the peonies particularly, that's, that's the kind of aim that I have for that collection. We do have quite a, quite a good selection of, of cultivars, particularly, um, historical cultivars. Um, but my, my aim, like I say, is to try and up the amount of species plants, those plants that you'd find in the wild, because some of them are just absolutely fantastic. Um, a particular favorite of mine is a species called Peonia tenuifolia. And it's got these tiny, fine, dissected little leaves and these perfect red flowers. It's 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 just a really lovely little plant, um, and it, all the more amazing that you would find it in the wild. That you could be out on a walk in the right place at the right time, and you'd come across this just you know on the side of the path. So I'd say that was that was a real a real favourite of mine. Well, I hope I haven't stolen your thunder here, because at the end of every Hot Week podcast, we ask our lovely guests what their desert island plant is what their plant is that they would take away if they could take no other so joe have you got one i think well given that i've i've gone with a peony um already i think i'll have to say a grass um and the one that always comes to mind it's not really a, a widely cultivated grass but we have a specimen in the grass garden at kew um it's a south african veld grass called mux muellera macawanii um, and when it's doing its thing kind of early summer, it is just the most incredible thing to look at. It's, it's an evergreen grass, so it keeps its foliage throughout the year. And for a lot of that year, it, it doesn't look all that much. It's got a nice habit, it kind of spreads well, but then it flowers in, in early summer and it puts out these amazing inflorescences, not much to look at up close, but they've got this really lovely buff color and it, it, it looks like a firework going off. It's, it's really lovely. Great choice. Now, thanks very much to Joe Richam, the author of Q Plant Words, a book of 250 curious words for plant lovers. I'm Matthew Appleby, Hawk Week editor, and this has been the Hawk Week podcast. Make sure you never miss a Hawk Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. So, once again, thanks to Joe from Q, and see you next time. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.